You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Listen, I started teaching last week on leadership. And, you know, I started off last week talking about some things that were coming up for the following Sunday because of my, my, my message on uh, revelations and what we need to do as Americans and just as the church today. But uh, that was the only time I was going to talk about that on a Wednesday. You have to come back to church to get the rest of it on Sunday. First um, Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 1 uh, has a powerful message in it, and uh, the rest of that last Wednesday, I talked about leadership. There's three things I'm going to talk about on leadership that we need to grow in. We need a lot more influence in this world. Leaders influence people, and so you, this is stuff that you, if you'll apply to your marriage, apply to your life, apply to apply to your job. If you'll apply these principles of God to your life. And, and, to your, and, and to your home and your job, all these other places, you're, everything's going to start moving forward. You know, I heard a message from a, a minister a long time ago, and he made this statement. He said, it's not how high you jump when God's moving and everybody's praising and worshiping. It's how, you, it's how you walk when you land. It's not how high, people get excited about God. They're all, woo! And then they don't, when they land... They, they aren't moving forward. They're not walking with God. They're not doing the things that God expects from them. You know, the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Why is wisdom the principal thing? Of all the things that God's trying to teach us, why is wisdom the principal thing? This is why. Because if you'll operate by God's wisdom when you hit the ground and just walking out life, you'll avoid a lot of problems in life, a ton of problems. If you'll follow just sound financial advice, you don't have to be an investor. You don't have to know how Wall Street works. If you'll follow sound financial advice that God gives in his word, you'll prosper all the days of your life. You'll never have lack. If you'll follow sound advice about marriage, man, You'll, your marriage, none of it will be perfect, but your marriage will be go from, from good to great, great to better, or poor to better. I mean, you'll consistently grow. If you'll follow God's advice on raising children. I know so many young people nowadays, they have been told that to spank a child's hitting them. Like it's somehow a, a physical altercation and that you should not spank your children. Can I tell you something? The Bible says if you, if you do not discipline your children with the rod of correction, that you'll never drive foolishness, foolishness out of them. The Bible says if you'll apply the rod of correction, which is paddling their butt, you'll drive foolishness out of their heart. I used to tell my children, listen, let your butt remind your head, never do that again. Because that, that paddle stings. And man, I'd pay, spank him with that paddle, and I'd say, that's your butt right now. That sting on your butt reminds your head. You better make a better decision next time. And then we would pray afterwards, and my kids know that scripture. They know that scripture as soon as I start to say it. Why? Because I prayed it with them after every time I spanked them. 
They'd say, Father, I thank you. I'd have them pray, Father, I thank you that the rod of correction drives foolishness far from my life. Just drives foolishness far from me. And I just know so many parents nowadays that they don't operate by the word of God and they're not getting great results. It doesn't mean you spank your child for everything. That's not accurate either. You know, you have to use some wisdom. There are times you use other methods of discipline, taking things away from them, time out, all these other methods. But you cannot just use that all the time because you can't reason. Does anybody know you cannot reason with a two-year-old? You can't reason with a 13-year-old. Their mind's still broken. Ask any medical professional. They'll tell you the mind doesn't fully form and make all its connections till you're 25 years old. It doesn't mature till you're 25 years old. Some of you might think back that are beyond 25, and you realize, that was the first time. I didn't know any of these stats, but I remember at 25 going back to my parents and thanking them, thanking them for disciplining me, thanking them for sticking by me even though I was a knucklehead. I mean, I, I thanked them. That was the first time I went back and thanked my parents when I hit 25. I didn't realize that finally all the connections in my brain had connected, and I finally, you know, could think properly. But, guys, listen, if we follow the rule of God in the, the, or the word of God, then we, have God, we get God, God outcomes on earth following wisdom. Follow wisdom in your relationship. Follow wisdom at work. Follow wisdom when it comes to not gossiping. Follow wisdom staying out of people's business when you're supposed to stay out of their business. Follow wisdom when it comes to, you know, being, a, being, being not just a hard worker, but a smart worker. Follow wisdom. I mean, there's just everything that pertains to life is in this book, and there's instructions on how to handle your life. Because God wants his people, he said in Deuteronomy 28, I made you to be the head, not the tail. I made you to be above, not beneath. He made us to be the leaders because we know the scripture. We've talked about this many times together. That we know the scripture that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. And it's that lack of following. Well, that's why, listen, if you look at every major city in America that's broke, full of crime, full of poverty, full of corruption in the government, you'll find one thing in common. All of their leadership is extremely anti-God. They're anti-God, and they operate by man's foolish wisdom and satanic wisdom, and all their policies not only fail, they don't just fail. That'd be... If they just were in neutral and failed, that, that, would, that would be better than what they're getting. They put people in reverse. We have operated by the policies of, of that kind of thinking in New Mexico for a long time. And I just saw the stats for our public school system that only 37% of our children are proficient in English in Roswell and only 11% are proficient in math. Do you know when the city of Baltimore that's run the same way our state is, is that they don't have... They, don't, they didn't pass one child. They didn't get 1% of their children that were proficient in math. Not one. They didn't hit 1% of any of the children they tested in their public schools that was proficient in math. Not one. 
but they keep reelecting and putting people in authority and power that keep producing these results. Then they want to blame it on something else other than themselves. Anyone else, any place else, I want to know when they're going to quit blaming Donald Trump for every problem. I've said this before. Someone texted me this. They're running out of conspiracy theories. There's a shortage because they've all come true. So they're no longer conspiracy theories. You know, they're all coming to pass. Study after study. Another one just came out. Masks don't make any difference. But yet they want to mask everybody. Listen, their, their policies, we've got to rise to the top. And the only way we're going to do that is we have to begin to really apply the wisdom of God in our lives. And so here's what 1 Corinthians 11 one says. It says, I want you to pattern your lives after me, just as I pattern mine after Christ. Otherwise, Paul is writing here saying, I'm blazing a trail. I'm following the path that Jesus gave me. And I want you to follow after me. Listen, we are leading one direction or another with the people around us. You're always leading. You're always leading somebody in a direction. God wants us to follow his path, which is wisdom, applying the word to our lives. Guys, it doesn't take hearing the voice of God verbally, audibly, inside of you, any of it, to follow the wisdom of God. It doesn't take any extra, anything extra. You don't need a Holy Ghost moment. You don't, all you have to do is start applying the principles of wisdom to your life. And you'll, you'll begin to walk in that path. That's why Psalms 119.105 says, My word is a lamp unto your, 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 your uh, steps, uh, a light unto your steps and a, uh, a greater light, an even greater light to your path. Otherwise, I'll, I'll help you walk out each step and then I'll light up your future. He said, just follow my teaching of my word and you'll, guys, you won't have to use your faith but about probably 10% of the time because you're following wisdom. And so we need to follow the wisdom, not of the world, but the wisdom of the word because others are following us. Other people in leadership positions in our city, in our state, we need people to run for school board right now. We need people to run for offices locally, statewide, nationally, that will step up because we need the wisdom of God to navigate the waters of the world we live in today. And not only navigate them, we're not in survival mode, but to lead the way. To lead the way. Not just to walk it out and make it to heaven and get ours. Guys, it's not enough that we just get what we, our stuff. It's not enough. Not enough in God's kingdom. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love others as you love yourself. So you should want for people around you, the families around you, the people around you, to operate in the same, same blessings that you're operating in. That's what the love of God would compel us to do, was to make other people's lives better as God makes our lives better. We should bring people along. They should be able to follow the path we're on as we're blazing a trail and following Jesus, just like Paul said. We should be able to do that. Leaders have an impact 
Look at what leadership does to our cities, our nation, our state. Man, the same leadership mindset has run our state for 90 years. And then we see the results of that. Man, we, we need to have different leaders because as long as they're leading us, they're leading us down a hill into a pit. We need different leaders. We need different leaders in the household that are willing to take it and say, I'll lead. I'm going to lead. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow wisdom and, and, and lead their families. I want to say something to the single women and the single men that are raising their kids in this church. You don't always have to have somebody else to lead. You don't have to wait for a man to come into your life or another woman to come into your life. You, you're leading right now. Lead somewhere that's going to that lead not only your life but others' lives to closer to God and walking in the wisdom of God on how to handle life's tragedies, life's ups, life's downs. Because we know that in all of it, God always has a plan. He has a plan. If we keep following him, we'll walk out that plan. Someone say amen. amen. We also know leadership is the lifeblood of any family, any church, any city, any state. It is, the, it is the, the lifeblood of anything. Our leader, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the life, literally the lifeblood of the whole kingdom of God. And so we, that's why we follow him. That's why we have a leader. That's why we submit to leadership. Because we know if we submit to his leadership, he's leading us to heaven. He's leading us to fulfill the plan of God in our life. He's leading us to walk in more wisdom. He's leading us to walk in more love. He's leading us to walk in more peace. He's leading us, teaching us how to be mentally tougher, stronger, physically tougher, spiritually stronger. He's leading us so that in this life, we can overcome any and everything that comes our way. That's where he's leading. He's, he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He said, be an overcomer because I've overcome it. He's saying, I'm leading you to be an overcomer in life. The word overcomer means he's leading you to success. He wants to lead us to success in life. What is success in God's eyes in life? Does that mean we're in the $2 billion lottery? That's not success to God. God God's level of success is that we have a tremendous impact. Everybody say impact. Impact on the world around us, including our families. We have an impact on the world around us, advancing his cause and his kingdom. He said, I will make rich those who favor my righteous cause. That word rich doesn't just mean financially blessed. It means whole. Your life will be whole. Like you just won't have money and be miserable. A lot of people I know that have a lot of money are also miserable. Their lives are a wreck. Their children are a wreck. Their personal relationships are a wreck. Ask Hollywood. How many broken relationships and broken lives can they go through with fame and money? They got everything, right? But they have nothing. God wants to make our lives whole, that we have more than enough to take care of our needs, to live blessed, to give away, help other people be blessed. Bless our families, bless the community, bless our churches, bless people, lead them to Christ. But we have good marriages and we have, we're, we have healthy children that are, that are advancing and growing closer to God. And we just have, we have healthy grandkids. We, we have healthy churches. We have healthy cities. Why? Because our life spills over into other people's lives. 
That's what he wants from us. That's what he expects from us. So I started talking last week about Habakkuk, uh, about having a clear vision. That's the first thing. And, and it comes from the book of Habakkuk, uh, chapter 2. By the way, I like that name. I've always wanted to name one of my kids Habakkuk. It's just like, man, if someone ever said, hey, man, you're going to have to fight Habakkuk. I think that would be like intimidating, you know. Julie's like, there's not one of our children ever going to be named Habakkuk. I tried to name one Cisco. I wanted to name him the Cisco Kid. And she shot it down. I'm like, Cisco Kid Smotherman. I always liked that song. Cisco Kid was a good friend of mine. Anybody know that song? I thought, that's a cool name. She's like, absolutely not. I didn't get to name any of my kids. None of them. She named them all. And now some of you are like, I understand completely why. So, But anyway... God expects us to have a clear vision. He said, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain. Let's stop. Let's leave that scripture up there, but let's stop right there. Make it plain. Write the vision and make it plain. Guys, the, the vision that we, that we carry in our heart, the one we believe that God is leading us to, or the one we've prayed out, the one we're seeking, God wants to make it plain. It's not, it doesn't have to be complicated. You should have a vision that you write down and get in agreement with with your wife. Here we are right here as a married couple. We want to be here next year. Here's where our children are right now. Here's where we'd like our children to be. Simple, plain, easy to read. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to have, you know, these $1,000 words in it with, you know, that are 15 letters long that no one understands, but a few handful of nerdy people. No, I'm, I'm kidding, but yeah, kind of. But anyway, it's just plain, simple, clear, precise. And I've told families that the reason there's a lot of chaos in families is because they've got two people working and there's no calendar, there's no clear vision, there's no agenda, there's nothing planned. Julie and I have our personal and professional calendar on the same uh, 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 calendar. We have it written down. We know what we're doing. So I can look and say, hey, I can't meet with someone next Friday because I have to take my daughter to a doctor's appointment. Or I can, I can meet next Friday because I have an opening. I know we do it for months in advance. The church, if you don't, you might not realize it, but I come from the corporate world. I, they taught us how to plan in the future. In October, we have a big meeting and we set our whole calendar for the year. We pray and set the calendar. Now, we're open to anything God wants to change or move. We're always open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, but we believe he leads us in our planning. That's how we calendar. My, my assistant and Julie's assistant is on that text thread, so we're constantly communicating personal, professional. What do we have? What do we don't have? It's a constant thing. Listen, guys, without a clear vision, without making your life plain and organizing these things, it leads to chaos. And let me tell you something. I, it didn't come naturally to me. I can fly by the seat of my pants really easily and still, still be successful if it's just me. But I've realized the people around me can't live like that. So I had to submit. Everybody say submit. I had to submit to a schedule and a plan and the organization, and I do. I, I submit. 
I'll type something and I'll say, okay, I want you to set this appointment with so-and-so. And then Julie will come by and say, you can't have, you can't have that appointment then because we've got this and we've got this. Or uh, my assistant will say, hey, or our office manager and my assistant will say, hey, no, uh, we can't do that because we got this, this, and this. And I just, I'm okay. I'm so, okay, let's plan it another time. Let's, let's get this moving. Let's do this. That's how, guys, I really want to encourage you. Have a calendar on your, a month-long calendar. Explain it to your children. Most of your children are going to be S personalities. I know this, guys, this is not like simple stuff, but I tell you, there's families in chaos, and some of your life is not where it should be, and you're adding tons of stress to your life because you aren't organized in, the, in, your, in your planning. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. Otherwise, it needs to be on something that everybody can come and read, that he may run who reads it. I realized a long time ago that I have a bunch of S kids, S personalities, that aren't good with change. They don't like change. So, man, we'd plan these great vacations, and we'd, we'd, the day would come to pack. We're leaving the next day, and, I would, I would, and they knew it, but I didn't constantly remind them, nor, nor Julie and I, neither one did because we were so busy. And then the day came, we're like, hey, you guys got to pack tonight because we're leaving in the morning. Get packed. Let's get rolling. You know, today, you know, we tell them in the morning, you know, not last minute. And they, my, my children that don't like change are like on tilt. <laughs> and they would say things like, I don't want to go. Like, we saved money all these years to go to Disney World and you now you don't want to go? No, I I don't want to go. I mean, they're just, they're in freak out mode because we didn't prepare them. And we learned with those children that if we would tell them a month out or six weeks out, because these are our easiest kids. The easy ones didn't want to go. They were freaking out. We learned that we would begin to remind them six weeks out, put it on a calendar, and show them that, man, those kids, once it came to that day, they're already packed, they're ready to go, they're in a great mood, but if we sprung it on them, and we didn't prepare them, and we didn't make it plain that they could see this is what's going on, and we played in so many basketball tournaments, and we did travel ball, and we did all this stuff, and the only way we made it is my wife is really organized. Much more than I am. No, it's because we, we helped each other, we submitted to that schedule, and we, we just really planned our life out. And some people think that's boring. I think it's awesome because it's allowed me to produce more and achieve more and dream even bigger. That's what happens, and it lowered our stress levels. We fought less. We fought less with the kids. Guys, listen, that's what God, you've got to have a clear vision for the direction you're going. If you don't have a clear vision that is plain to read, how do you know when you're, you're just reacting to life instead of acting in, in life? You'll never be the head. You'll always be behind. So write a clear vision. Make it plain. There's usually in a couple or a family someone that's a little more organized than another person. So let, don't be resentful either because that's your job. God put you in that role. Gave you that gift, but the other person submit to it so that you don't mess it up all the time and frustrate each other. Someone say amen. At least all the organized people say amen. Say, tell them, pastor, tell them to submit to the schedule and not forget all the time what is happening. But God wants us to do that. And then he says this, next verse, verse 3. 
He said, it's got to be something easy to read so people can run with the vision. He said, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. Otherwise, your vision, your plans will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And God's talking about the vision of his kingdom, but it's a principle inside of this that for us, that these are, he's talking about future plans and what you're planning to do and what, what is happening next. And he's saying to us that it will come to pass and it will not lie. What you planned and what you did not plan will not lie. Otherwise, it's going to tell the truth about who you are. It's going to tell the truth about who you are as a person. Because this works in both ways. You don't plan, you don't organize, you don't write the vision down, you don't pursue it. It's going to speak of your life. I said it's going to speak of your life. It's going to speak about who you are as a person and how much you love God and love the people around you. I want to encourage you. Do what God said. Love him. Do what his word says to do. Love him. God said consider the ant. The ant never goes hungry in the winter because the ant works its rear end off when it's time to work. Listen, those are just, those are wisdom principles he's teaching us. So we need to have a clear vision, and we need to move forward with him. He said in Psalms 37, 4 and 37, 5, he said in 37, 4, if you'll delight yourself in God, he'll give you the desires of your heart, but then you have to commit your way. He said in verse 5, commit your ways to him. Otherwise, you have to begin to walk in obedience to his word. And then he said, I will bring the desires of your heart to pass. You see how desires of your heart and then walking it out and being obedient and walking in wisdom are connected? Most people don't get to live the desires of their heart because they don't commit. They don't commit their ways. They want dreams and desires to come to pass, but they're not committed to them. They're not committed to those to, to God's word and his ways. But if you'll commit your ways, you'll see, see dreams come to pass. But you have to be committed. Again, it's not how high you jump. It's what you do when you land, how you're going to walk this out when you land. Your day-to-day -day commitment to, to, be, to moving forward. And we're not perfect at any of that. I don't want you to think that. We're not perfect at it. But, man, we've gotten better and better as each year goes by. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. So I talked about some of these things. We need to resolve old, old wounds. You know, I heard a story that I want to tell you about. There was a college professor. He was teaching engineering. Um, and so you think, wow, that's really interesting. So he got his engineering students um, uh, in the classroom. He wanted to teach them a life lesson. So he filled a, a glass uh, full of water, uh, halfway full of water. And of course, they thought they, he was going to ask them, do you see the glass half, half empty or half full? That's not the question he asked them. What he asked them was, how heavy is the glass? So there are a bunch of mathematicians, eight ounces and, you know, 8.3. You know, they're all spouting off. And he said, let me tell you how heavy this glass is. It's only going to be as heavy as, uh, as it is that I hang on to it, how long I hold it. He said, so right now it's really light. But if I hold this glass up like this for two hours, it's going to start hurting my arm. He said, if I hold it up for two days... My arm is going to be aching so bad holding my, this, this light glass of water. 
He said, it started out light, but the longer I hold on to it, the heavier it gets. Let me say something about unresolved wounds. The longer you hang on to them, the heavier they'll get. And the more they'll hurt you. Just even a light, just a little thing. It started off just a glass of water, half full, a couple ounces. But you hang on to that for a month, holding your arm up like that. Oh, my gosh, I bet you wouldn't make it a month. People wouldn't make it a month holding that. It would become, now all of a sudden, it's, just, it's extremely heavy. He said, the heaviness of this glass is based on the stress level on my body. And then he went into teaching stress levels in engineering. But it's a life lesson for all of us. We have to resolve old wounds. We talk about carrying baggage. Man, you're talking about carrying something. And it gets heavier and heavier and heavier the more you hang on to it. It hurts more and more. Let me say this too. Hang out with people you admire. Hang out with people you admire. Get feedback from people about the direction you're going, your planning, how you're walking out uh, life. Do not walk in the dark. Again, Psalms 119.105 says, if you'll follow God's word, you'll never walk in the dark. Your daily steps won't be in darkness, and your future won't be in darkness. You'll walk in the light of God's word. Also, be accountable. Be accountable to others. And use self-reflection when it comes to walking out plans and walking out visions. A lot of people lim limit their leadership and what God will do for them because God knows you're not self-reflective. What did God say about judging others? He didn't say, but people say, he said never judge anybody. That's not, that's not, he, that's not what he said. He's talking about hypocrites. You've got to take the whole thing in context. So what he says is, don't take the toothpick out of somebody else's eye when you have a board in yours. So what he's saying is, in order to progress and grow closer to God and move closer to him and move forward in life, you have to be able to be self-reflective. You have to be self-reflective. In order to have a clear vision and make it plain and walk it out, you have to self-reflect on some things in your own life so you can grow and move forward. I think one of the greatest issues Julie and I see in relationships is the lack of self-reflection. They are, people are very good at pointing out everybody else's faults. Parents come in with kids and say, this kid's this, 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 and this. And I stop, I've kind of, I ask the kid to go and say, well, what, hold on a second. What are, what are you, what's your lifestyle like? Some of them will act like, well, we're not here to talk about me. Oh, yeah, we are. Because you're, they're following a lot of, if there's stress, and turmoil and strife in your home. Man, the Bible says, where there's strife, there's every manner of evil. Listen, you're opening up doors to your children. So, so it's so important that we self-reflect because what are we doing? What did I start off with this? We're, we're, we're blazing a trail. We're leading the way for somebody, especially those closest to us. Somebody's following our path. And so we need to be accountable and self-reflective. We need to be adaptable. Guys, in order to have a vision and carry it out and, and carry out things in family, and we know there's variables that are going to come in that we didn't foresee, problems that are going to arise, and we've got to be able to adapt, adapt and change. Sometimes you have to adapt and change direction. Why? Because the direction you're going is wrong. Then you have to be resilient. You have to be able to bounce back when you have problems. 
You know, when people just refuse to get up and they're just, I'm depressed, I'm down, and develop that Eeyore attitude, you're, you're, guys, you're going to get stuck right there in that moment. You'll be stuck, and not only will you be stuck, you, well, I take that back. You'll be stuck for a little while. Then you'll start going backwards, and not only you, but you'll take everybody else around you backwards. Man, it is so hard to deal with people in your own home that are negative and down all the time. It's like it drains the energy from everybody else in there trying to pick them up and deal with them, especially when they refuse to get back up. Listen, if we're to lead this world, if we're to do what God calls us to do, if we're to walk out the vision for our life, we have to be highly adaptable and highly resilient. Bad things are going to happen. God already said it. Jesus said tribulation will happen in your life. It's not a matter of whether you and I will face problems, tribulation, hurt, and issues. It's a matter of how we will bounce back and handle them. It always is. And so we have to have the ability to bounce back, change direction. We do not keep doing what hasn't worked. You know, we, we always hear the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. It's not working. If you're in relationship or your job situation, you never get promoted, this never happens for you, you might want to consider what you're doing and maybe change directions. Your children aren't obedient and they're not doing what you want and they're not going a direction. You might want to consider the direction you're going and change directions. Here's number two. The number two quality of a leader that, that, that uh, just the thoughts that I've had about how God has developed me as a leader, these are thoughts that he's given me, is authentic confidence. Authentic confidence. You can only fake it for so long. And I'm not talking about self-confidence. Man, I don't know why anybody would want to have confidence in self. God said, if you save your own life, you'll lose it. Otherwise, if you think about yourself only, you're going to lose your life. But if you'll give your life away, you'll gain it. So what the confidence I'm talking about is Christ confidence, not self-confidence. Otherwise, you're confident in his love for you. You're confident that he's for you. You're confident that he'll help you. He'll help you self-reflect. He'll help you bounce back. He'll help you change directions. He'll speak to you. He'll give you a vision. He'll, help. he'll teach you how to be committed. He'll teach you how to walk things out. Christ confidence, not self-confidence. That's why I said, when I was thinking about confidence and thinking about just leadership, I thought, it's not just confidence. God, what is it? And I believe the Holy Spirit said, what you're trying to get to, Troy, is authentic confidence, where it's authentic. Let me tell you, when, you're, when your confidence is in Christ, it's authentic because you're not insecure. I know people that are bold, they're, they're, uh, they're ambitious, they're risk takers, but they're not confident people. You can have all those qualities and be so insecure. Arrogant, insecure. I watch all the, a lot of these famous people, and I watch, I watch how they react to situations and to circumstances, and man, their insecurities just speak volumes about who they are. It don't matter how much fame they have, how much money they have, how many people tell them they love them, they're the best football player, best basketball player, best this, best this, best, best that. And then they still walk in all these unbelievable insecurities. Authentic confidence only comes from your confidence and your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when it becomes authentic. It's not fake. You can only fake it so long. Man, you can only fake it so long. 
If any of you ever dated in high school or as an adult, you, you might have dated somebody and they come across like gangbusters on the first date and then the second date you start seeing holes and then by the third date you're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have went on the first date. Why? Because you can only fake it so long. I know people that try to come across to me that they're super organized, super self-disciplined, and then you get around them long enough, you realize they're not super organized. Then that's all they talk. That's not authentic confidence. It's not, it's not authentic confidence. It only comes from our relationship with Christ. And so I asked him to put Jeremiah 17, 7 up here because I'm always going to give you the word. This is what it says. Blesses the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Otherwise, our trust, our, another translation says our confidence is in the Lord. Our trust, our confidence is in God. And that's where we get authentic confidence that we can face issues, we can overcome, we can succeed, and we don't have to walk around with all these, these insecurities in us, and we don't have to fake it. We don't have to fake it. It's genuinely inside of us that we're confident. It's genuine inside of us. And so how do you build confidence? Well, number one, you build your relationship with Jesus and you give your life to him and he'll help you build confidence in his ability to help you and make the difference up between when your talent runs out, when your faith runs out, when all your gifts and skills run out, then you're, you're counting on Jesus to make up the difference. It gives you an authentic confidence. And it gives you an authentic confidence to bounce back and do all those other things. But there's some areas that we can work on in the natural, just the wisdom of God. So let me give you this thought. Authentic confidence only comes from preparation. You know, I've seen people ill-prepared to do a presentation. I've seen people ill-prepared to do this, do that, and nothing. I've been in moments where I was ill-prepared for something, to, a meeting or something to happen. And, man, you can, I can walk out of there and know, dadgummit, I didn't prepare the way I should have. Because that didn't go. Anybody else ever had that experience but me? You just weren't ready? You weren't prepared? Listen, true confidence, authentic confidence, you can't fake it. You have to be prepared. It comes through preparation. It comes through disciplining yourself to begin to prepare in advance for the moment. I always go back to sports, man. I, I could just see people that were ill-prepared Ill to compete, ill-prepared to shoot the free throw in the last second. Man, you could see it all over them. Man, they had not practiced enough. They had not thought enough times in practice there's only one second left in the game. I'm shooting the final shot. They didn't prepare their mind. They didn't prepare their body to take those last second shots. And man, usually, uh, you can ask Julie, I can, if I see their face, I can about nine times out of ten, unless they just get lucky, predict they're not going to make it. I can't remember the kicker that we saw in one of the playoff games. And, man, they showed his face. He's going to kick it, I think, to tie it up or win it. I can't remember. And, you, man, the first shot of him, he goes, <sighs> I'm like, he ain't making this. There's no way. Oh, my gosh, guys. He missed it. He shaked it so far left. I'm like, it was obvious. I can't believe they let him kick it. If I was the coach, I'm like, oh, no, come off the field. We're just going to throw it in the end zone. We got a better chance than you kicking. Because, I mean, it was, do you remember what we're talking It was Ohio State and Georgia. Whose kicker was it? Ohio State's? Yeah, man, he was, he was shook. And then they showed him again. They called the timeout, tried to ice him. They showed him again. He, <laughs> his face looked like all the blood drained out of it. I'm like, oh, no way. He's not. And he wasn't even close. Why? You know what, guys? He had not prepared, not just physically. 
but emotionally to handle that moment. Because you've got to practice not only the physical practice, you've got to practice the mental strength to handle moments where you're going to have to perform. And that only comes from preparation. That's why I talked about, when I talked about dreaming, you have to practice courage. How do you practice courage? When you face moments personally that you know, you hear the voice of the Lord saying, don't you do this, don't you do this. I'm talking about in secret, in private, when no one's looking, and when people are looking, you obey that voice instead of doing what you want to do. That's how you practice mental and spiritual toughness, and you prepare yourself for the big moments of life. And a lot of people who don't practice privately, when they get in public, they'll never lead. No one will ever pick them as a leader because you get in a room of other people. People will see pretty quickly. I don't care how much you fake it. I don't care how much bravado you might have. And you might have the biggest mouth in the room, but after a while, people go, that's not the leader in this room. They want someone with genuine, authentic confidence that's secure in who they are. And you'll only find that when you get close to Jesus. He's the only one that can quiet that voice of insecurity And you hear the voice of security that comes from your relationship with him. And then you start preparing. You prepare yourself. You prepare your mind. If you're giving a presentation at work, you you put in the time to prepare. If you're going to have a serious conversation with one of your children, you don't just fly out there and say, get in here, we're having a conversation. No, you prepare your mind. You prepare your thoughts. You might even want to write them down. When Julie and I, the more mature we got, the more we would write down points we'd want to make when we had an argument. And I would have like two or three, and she'd have like 15. And past the third one, I'd be like, I don't remember that. Nah, I don't remember. I don't know. You remember that? How do you even remember that? But, but we would prepare, and we would talk about, when we would talk to our family or talk to our children, we'd start having these conversations. We didn't always parent like that, but we, as we grew, we started parenting, and so we wanted to have confidence be prayed up when we're going to have a serious conversation with our kids. Be, have it written out like points and things we want to say so we don't forget in the heat of it to say those things and do those things that God had prepared. And you know what it did? It brought it, that preparation for whether it was a conversation or whether it was a work-related issue or dealing with an employee here, whatever it was, all that preparation brought peace. All that preparation brought peace and genuine confidence. Because not only would God talk to us about the other person, our child, he would talk to us about us. He would say, you're going to talk to your child about this, this, and this. Here's some thoughts I have for you. And then he'd say, you need to consider this about yourself that might be modeling this kind of behavior to your child. And you know what? They gave us real authentic confidence to go into those moments prepared, ready to say, hey, listen, First of all, I want to say this. I'm sorry. I have not modeled good this well in our home. I've not modeled that. And so I know you're copying, you're following the pattern. You're following the path I, I, I laid. But I want to say this to you. I'm going to do better, and you're going to do better. And here's how we're going to do it. And we would have those kind of conversations with each other and our children. And then you have real leadership in your home. Not just reacting emotionally and following the flesh. The Bible says if you follow the flesh in Romans 8, it leads to death. Death of relationships, death of, I mean, it just brings all kinds of stuff. It just tears everything down around you. 
finances, job, you follow the flesh. I know way too many people that buy impulsively. They buy because they feel bad. They're, they're depressed so they go buy something. They're stressed so they go eat something. They just constantly are making these bad moves led by the flesh. They're mad at their spouse so they just react. Even when they're wrong, they pop them back. Listen, guys, you, you live your life like that instead of being led by the Spirit of God? You're always gonna have problems. No amount of counseling, I mean, you could counsel with the best counselor. You have the best counselor. You have the Holy Spirit counselor inside most of you. Listen, you won't even listen to him. The Holy Spirit. We have to begin, church, to not only do the things spiritually, but we have to begin to walk in God's wisdom and follow out his, his this, isn't, this isn't complicated stuff. It's not complicated. I'm not going to say it's not hard. But everything worth doing, all the greatest blessings in life are on the other side of hard. Let me say it again. All the greatest blessings and all the best things in life are usually on the other side of hard. And you value them so much because it was hard. It was hard for us to get that organized. So we just value. We're so thankful. It was hard for us to get our flesh under control in our marriage with our kids. But man, we're so thankful and so grateful for the outcomes and results. And it's, it brought self-discipline and, and blessings into our life and continues to do so. We value the organization that, that through God and the Holy Spirit and, and our, the, our leadership has brought to the church. We value the life that we see changed. The people God brought alongside of us that added those structures and that organization and leadership with us and right next to us. It leads to blessings and honor. God said this, if you'll exalt him in your life, he'll exalt you. And so how do we exalt him? It's not just lifting our hands and singing and praising. That's one way. That's awesome. But it's, it's even more so. And how we just walk out everyday life. God needs Christians to lead their homes, lead their lives, lead our nation, and be the leaders more than, more than any time in my lifetime. Right now, right now. I believe, I know this is true. I don't just believe it, it's the truth. Leaders aren't born. Leaders are made. Very few people are born a leader. Very few. Some people just have this anointing on them. They got like an it factor. But even if they have that, if they don't apply a lot of self-discipline and the wisdom of God, after a while, they, they, they live such an immoral life and their character's so bad, it doesn't matter about that part. No one will follow them. But most leaders are made. I wasn't born a leader. I wasn't born a leader. Through the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of God and the, the people I run with and the things, that's how I begin to walk in leadership and learn how to lead my own life first. I had to lead myself first. And then, I, then God added a wife to me and I had to learn to lead her. And then he started adding children, one after another after another. And then I had to lead the whole tribe. Then he put me here and I, I had to begin to lead people and staff and man, but it's just been a process, and you can walk through that same process. God wants you to lead. He wants you to lead. He wants to bless you, and you get the benefits of leadership. There's some benefits that come with it. Listen, every eye closed here. 
For the longest time, I haven't taught on these principles. I teach on them every Tuesday to my, to my staff. And they, for the longest time, that people have encouraged me, my children, the staff, to encourage me over the years to teach on these things to the whole church. And, man, finally, I feel like I, I can do it and do it the right way. And Man, this is a God thing. This is just as much a God thing and just deeply spiritual, maybe even more so spiritual in your day-to-day walk of life than what I'm teaching on Sunday about the book of Revelations. It's important. It's really important. You know, God said wisdom is the principal thing. We've talked about that tonight. Let me tell you the wisest decision I ever made, that anybody ever makes, is that they realize that we can't do life on our own. That when we do, it just ends up being selfish and convoluted and muddied and we end up facing, whether at the end of our life or in the middle or at the beginning, impossible situations that we never can overcome or get through without God's help. We end up messing up ourselves and relationships around us. I know people with incredible self-discipline, but they don't have the love of God in them. They're just hard. Life is hard. They're never happy. They never smile. But boy, man, their garage is organized. Their finances are organized. But man, their life is miserable. I used to admire men like that. Until I realized how miserable they were. How miserable their wives and children were because they never experienced any love. From, the, from these fathers, these men. I realized they never had any close friends. Without Jesus, none of it's authentic. None of it's really worth doing. You just, those men just left all their tools, all their cars, all their stuff to somebody else who didn't even really love them because they never loved them. What was it worth at the end? What was it worth to never have a son or a daughter stand up and say, my daddy loved me? What will be worth to you? Life has meaning. It has purpose when we surrender it to God. Without it, without Him, it's just... The blind, the Bible says it's the blind leading the blind. Stop. Turn around. Whether you're online watching right now or you're here right now, listen. If you've never prayed and surrendered your life to God, you don't know what it's like to be forgiven of sin. You don't know what it's like to walk in the light of God's word and his spirit. And God wants everybody to experience that. His forgiveness, His mercy, real authentic confidence and clear visions for your life. He wants everybody to experience the love, the joy, yes, in the self, in the discipline of, of living a blessed life and giving those blessings away. If you've never prayed, let's pray right now. Never pray. Let's pray right now.
God loves you. He didn't come here to condemn you. Jesus came to save us from, we're already condemned. He didn't need to remind us. He said, I want to save you from it. You're already, your sins have already condemned you. Let me save you, he said. Let me save you. He said on the cross over and over again, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. If they could really see that there's a heaven and a hell, if they could really see that I love them, they would never do these things. Can you see? If you've never prayed, let's pray right now. If you've prayed before and you keep running away from Him, man, Come back, make a decision tonight. I'm not running away anymore. Even when I fail, falter, sin, whatever, I'm going forward. I'm running to God back every time. No more running away from God. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you need to pray and get right with God before you leave here. Let's pray right now. Online, I'm going to ask you to send us a message. I'm praying for the first time. I'm praying for the next time. Just send it to us. We want to send you something. Uh, no, 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 No strings attached to anything. We're not sending you a donation card. We don't want anything from you except for you to follow Jesus. In this room, we're going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand up high and say boldly, I'm going to get right with God tonight. No strings attached to that either. So online, send us a message. In this room, you want to get right with God before you leave here. One, two, three. Raise your hand up high boldly. Say it's me. Thank you all over this room. God bless you. You can put those. Golly, so many hands. Put those down. Great. Great, great. This is awesome. God bless all of you that raised your hand. Thank you. It means a lot. I thank you because it means a lot to God, and it means a lot lot to the rest of us because the more of us that get our hearts right, more of us that get our families right, our lives right, the more good things that are going to be spilled out on, on all of us. So we're all in this together. So let's pray together. All those that raise their hand online, if you'd make a debate a decision or here in this room, let's all pray together right now, wherever you're at online. Pray this right now. Say this together. God, I believe you are God and God alone, and that you love me. And that's why you sent Jesus to die for my sins, pay my price, my penalty. Thank you for loving me that much in proving that you love me. I also believe you raised Jesus from the dead and he's alive. And because I believe that, I say to you, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. You are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. And I receive the Holy Spirit right now. And Father, I ask you by the blood of Jesus to forgive me for all the sins I've committed as I learn and choose to forgive those who have hurt me. And I thank you now by your word and by your spirit. You teach me to live Life and life abundantly. What you said you came to give. I want to live it for you, with you, all the rest of the days of my life. 
until I see you in heaven. Thank you. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, church. Let's thank the God. He's so good. He's so good. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.